Hey everyone, welcome to Psychology with my wife. I'm the wife. And I'm the psychology student. Welcome to episode eight. Yeah. All the way to eight. Yeah, two months in. Two months of content, still mm -hmm. going strong. Yeah. <laughs> we made it past the six episode mark. Yeah, Julian was telling me before he was doing some research and apparently most podcasts only make it to six episodes and then they just stop posting. Mm -hmm. So feeling pretty good that we've made it all the way to episode eight. Yeah, I, I feel like they stop because they expect the first episode with no social media following or anything that they're getting at like thousands of views or something. And then because they don't, it's not worth it. Yeah, definitely. There's like... I think the two key factors, one of them definitely being that, that people just have an expectation that like everyone in the world is going to just start listening to their content. And Julian and I were very much, when we decided to do this, we were like, it's okay if no one listens. Like, we will do this because we have fun working on it together and like mm -hmm. pushing our creativity and learning a lot ourselves. So like, if no one listens, it's all good. So we didn't have that expectation. And then also... I think a lot of people just don't think far enough ahead about how much content they can make. Like mm -hmm. they have an idea for a podcast, but they only think about the first few episodes they'll do when they get excited and they start doing it and they don't think like, hmm, how far could this go? <laughs> well, I've heard a bunch of people that they like after, say, 20 episodes, they run out of content because I don't know why. I think it's misinterpreted. But they always say on the blogs and stuff you read about that you're supposed to have a niche. Don't have a broad podcast uh, topic. But I guess people have to also understand that sometimes your niche is too small. <laughs> yeah, like there's definitely, you need to have some kind of focus with your content, I suppose, but not like super narrow where there's only so much you can talk about mm -hmm. yeah, like exactly. at least with us i don't think we'll have that problem because we already have like a list of over a hundred yeah, ideas yeah. and it's growing all the time we'll just be talking randomly and be like oh we need to do an episode on that mm -hmm. too <laughs> or someone will say something in a movie yes yeah definitely so yeah yay um i just uh spoke at a conference a few <laughs> slick segue <laughs> so i was just talking at a conference recently <laughs> hashtag self-promo <laughs> yeah. it was a lot of fun um it was one of the uh my first panel that i've been on and it was with a bunch of people all over canada um i mentioned in a previous episode um directors of some hospitals, some stakeholders in the healthcare system in Canada. We all got together to speak on mental health, um, especially during the during COVID and how it's like become more obvious and the numbers in emergency rooms, all that have increased dramatically. And there was already a burden on the system. So um, now it's relevant, I guess. Because it's too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Julian really got to speak about personal experience as a patient along with the other panelists. So it was great to have the ears of all of those, you know, big wig people <laughs> to 
let them know what's going on and what needs to be changed to help make patient experiences better. Yeah. I was joking with Julian about when, because he got paid to speak at this conference. Like, this was, he's being casual, but like, it was a pretty exciting opportunity. And I joked with him that whenever I go to conferences to present my research, I always have to pay them. (laughs) 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 When a conference, even if they want you to come, you know, like they accept everything and they're like, yeah, we want you come present your research. Your research sounds amazing. Then they're like, but here's the fee to attend the (laughs) conference to be able to present your research. So like, that's pretty impressive that he's getting people to pay him to come there. Well, I still have to pay to go present my research and make people listen to me. (laughs) Yeah, but I think I just I just got lucky that I just fell into the position and had the opportunity. So thankful for it. Luck, but hard work paying off. Speaking of getting paid, I am getting paid in another way, though. One of my professors, Dr. Amaya Perez-Brumer, she is amazing at the U of T and she has very recently hired me on to help do some graphic design support and so I have been having so much fun working on that content with her and she's really fun to work for and gives me lots of space to try to be creative so I've been building my skills in that area even more a lot of the work I've done there before hasn't been or really hasn't at all been academic focused. It's been a lot of like funner, lighter work with youth and websites and things like that. So it's been fun and challenging developing new um, skills around knowledge translation when it comes to academic content. So that's been a good experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, like we, we had a conversation just recently about that. Um, and it's a skill that I didn't even think of, but now that I think of it, it would be pretty useful to kind of like, you can have something relevant and smart and stuff, no matter the topic, but if you don't know how to tell it to other people, it doesn't make sense to them or, um, it doesn't click with them. Right. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, absolutely. It's a very marketable skill to be able to build because exactly it doesn't matter. You can do the most amazing research project, but if you're not able to translate that knowledge and in my perspective, hopefully translate it in like a really accessible way that people who aren't in that kind of academic niche will be able to understand and it'll bring value to them, then you've done a really great job at your project because Mm -hmm. If only people who are in this very specific niche and have a lot of prior knowledge are able to understand what you're talking about and what the value is of your research, then I don't think it's meeting its full potential. I agree. Yeah. And you know what? That's one of the goals I have in my future career here as a counselor is that mental health, it's often hard to even understand what you're going through and stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to process and articulate what is happening to you, you're able to, one, tell other people what's happening. So like doctors, all that stuff. And then um, two, just like understand what's happening to yourself. Mm-hmm. So I guess in the personal spirit also where sphere, 
it works too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is kind of getting my mind thinking about social cognitive theory. I won't say too much because I'm planning to do an episode later on where I'm going to talk all about social cognitive theory to Julian because it's one of the theories I'm using in my dissertation. But there's this element in it called, or a key tenet, and it's called self-efficacy. And so that's kind of what you'll be doing with people by, you know, building their competencies around being able to understand the kind of higher level stuff around their diagnosis and how to cope with it and move forward. You're going to be building their self-efficacy because self-efficacy mm -hmm. is a person's belief in their ability to do something successfully. And so you will be able to build your patient's self-efficacy and help them to cope better and feel more confident and capable dealing with their treatment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you know what? I think if you're not building a person up and giving them the skills to do it on their own, you're not really doing your job. Mm -hmm. um, they shouldn't need to come to a counselor or therapist to solve their problems. Like contradictory to what I'm going into, but <laughs> that should be the big part of your job as a counselor. Well, it's not that they shouldn't need to come to you, but that part of coming to you makes it so maybe they don't, some people won't need to permanently come to you. Yes, like yeah. obviously they need to come to you in the first place, but hopefully you can build skills in them so that on their own, they'll be able to cope and mm -hmm. deal with things a little bit more effectively and confidently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and have um, the willingness to do so. Exactly. But let's get started. Yeah, let's dive into this. <laughs> Today's episode is going to be on motivation. Perfect. I need all of the motivation right now to get through my qualifying exam, so let me have it. <laughs> <laughs> I need motivation to get out of bed today. <laughs> it's hard getting up right in the morning. Especially early on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. I was laughing. Um, I was telling my mom that some days it's hard to get up at uh, for a class at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. And she's like, yeah, it's crazy. You used to always get up at 6.30 to go to school. Yeah, so different. Yeah. I saw this meme. I'm pretty sure I showed it to you, <laughs> but it was kind of funny. And it was like, if you wake up early on the weekends, earlier on the weekends, then you get to sleep in five days a week. <laughs> <laughs> It depends, yeah. Depends when you wake up in during the week. I don't know if I can get up earlier. Maybe, but I did think that was a funny idea that, you know, if you force yourself to get up early on Saturday and Sunday, mm -hmm. then during the week you actually would get to sleep in more. True. So more mm -hmm. days of the week you would have a longer, more restful sleep. I don't know. <laughs> Looking forward to a work day where yeah. you can sleep in more. <laughs> So motivation is the process that kind of guides our desires and orients our decisions that we make, um, chooses the, the direction that we want to go in life. Um, and there's so many different ways you can explain why someone is motivated to do something, but um, there is a big separation between people that give up 
and those people that persist even when they're faced with failure. Um, I think because some people that haven't experienced um, big setbacks or failures don't understand what it takes to come back from that or fix that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just don't have that experience and the skill set to be able to move forward mm-hmm. effectively, I yeah, guess. I think there it's different skill sets, definitely. You can be successful, but also you need to have that skill on how to bounce back when you're not successful because mm-hmm. otherwise um, it can really deter you from wanting to continue doing what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. That actually connects a little bit to self-efficacy as I was speaking about it. People who have really high levels of self-efficacy, even if they end up failing at something or have a setback, it doesn't really impact them that much. Like they're able to keep moving forward and feeling confident in their competencies. Mm -hmm. However, if you at a base level have a really low level of self-efficacy, any kinds of failures and setbacks become really persistent in your mind and have a significant impact on your belief in your capabilities and how you'll approach similar situations Hmm. in the future. Okay, cool. We are going to go through a similar theory today. Cool. Um, I'll speak on it a little bit. So one of the many facets of motivation um, that create varying degrees of desire to complete a task is your mindset. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're kind of talking about self-efficacy and it actually is pretty c- close to um, Carol Dweck's research in mindsets. Ah, Dweck, mm-hmm. Julian's favorite researcher. <laughs> yeah, no, I love her, love her book. And I was really excited when your, your mom had a copy. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys bonded over mm-hmm. Carol. <laughs> Carol Dweck. Yeah. Not my mom. Yeah, not that Carol. No. <laughs> Although we do love that Carol as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. We do. Um, so the book she wrote is literally called Mindsets. Um, and to summarize her theory, there are two types of mindsets, a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And these mindsets um, change how we view intelligence, that it is static or that it can be developed. And static is with a fixed mindset. Um, or that it can change is a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. So to put it into perspective, a fixed mindset, um, it has the characteristics of avoiding challenges. So you, um, you think that you're good at some things, And that's what you focus, that's what you're motivated to do. And you give up easily on the things that you aren't good at. And you don't think that effort is worth it. You ignore useful negative feedback. And you feel threatened by the success of others. Mm. On the other hand, a person with a growth mindset embraces challenges they persist even when they're encountered with setbacks effort is a way to achieve mastery and they learn from criticism 
They're inspired by the successes of others. And because the person with a growth mindset has these beliefs, they can reach higher levels of achievement. From my experience, um, even before reading this book, um, I definitely think I mostly did things um, from a fixed mindset, and that's who I understood or how I understood who I was kind of thing. It's like, I'm just this person that's not good at this, Mm -hmm. or this is what I'm meant to do because I'm good at it Mm -hmm. kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Is that the, you might have more of a growth mindset than me. I don't know. (laughs) I would say you have a growth mindset now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. Like for sure. Like I think, yeah, there was a time in your life where, you know, you didn't have a growth mindset or that self-efficacy, you know, that really motivating belief in yourself and your capacity but I think at this point you've done so much self-work and self-growth that you've really built that yeah yeah no I not to toot my own horn but yeah <laughs> <laughs> I got the growth mindset Woo-woo. <laughs> um, well it's a lot easier to look for enjoyment in life I think and purpose in the activities you're doing Mm -hmm. i think that because i chose to have a more of a growth mindset that i would attempt to do things but then if i the reason i would stop doing it is because i didn't have um enjoyment from it actually um because there's obviously some things that you can still have a growth mindset because they are uh purposeful in the sense that they will be skills useful for jobs and stuff. Mm-hmm. But also like, for example, like playing the guitar. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I do. I definitely enjoy it a lot now, but um, even like I've had this guitar for four years now and for two years it sat in its, <laughs> in its case in my closet. Cause I got it. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to learn guitar. But then every time I tried to play it, I just got bored with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've been having so much fun playing it lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so nice. Like you, it's just you're so passionate about it now. Like you're so excited every time that you grab it. So definitely need to play with it after mm-hmm. we're done with this episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's uh, yeah, it's really exciting to to have something to uh, look forward to, like little tiny tasks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with having like the growth mindset. What kind of factors play into it? Because thinking about myself, I would categorize myself as having a growth mindset, I would like to think. And I, off the top of my head, would largely credit that to my parents and, you know, how I was nurtured and raised growing Mm -hmm. up, that they really made an effort to instill in me that, you know, you can do anything, but (laughs) it's not going to be easy. You know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't just like, oh, yeah you can do everything, like, you deserve everything. It was, like, teaching me the skills so that I actually had the ability to do things that I set my mind Mm -hmm. to. So, like, I would credit them a lot with it. So I'm wondering if Dweck also speaks to how, like, your childhood impacts the mindset you have. Yeah, definitely. A lot of her research is in classrooms and stuff and Mm -hmm. training younger kids to have a growth mindset. Um, and it definitely, you can train 
um, train people or instill a growth mindset in them, even if they previously had a fixed mindset. Um, well, even look at myself, I definitely had a, more of a fixed mindset before and I was able to change that. Mm-hmm. So. So how? <laughs> probably jumping ahead <laughs> you can continue with what you want to say first but <laughs> yeah. i'm looking forward to the how let's just say that <laughs> i think more importantly before we know how <laughs> is how do you know that you do have a fixed mindset on mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. and again it goes back to what i mentioned right off the bat there about there's a difference between someone who's successful and someone who is successful even when they had setbacks, because um, there's things that I looked at and I just assumed that I had a growth mindset on it because I would improve in it and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But having the growth mindset doesn't mean that it's just something that you improve on. Um, For example, uh, for the most part, I'm not saying I'm like an incredible athlete at all. But it did come, sports did come easy to me, Mm -hmm. at least (laughs) a basic (laughs) level, good enough to be like at least somewhat proficient at it. Yes, for sure. At many sports. Mm -hmm. But part of, I definitely at the time would have said that, oh, I have a growth mindset. I I get better as the years go on um, kind of thing. But the only reason for that is because I was already good at it. Yeah, you felt comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like it was your safe zone sports. Yes, exactly. But if I was to, um, for example, I really, I got into basketball because like Rory and a few other other guys in my class, graduating class, they needed another athlete on the team. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I'm so bad at basketball. (laughs) And I would get constantly frustrated because I was bad at it. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for me. I knew that I needed skills to improve um, at what I was doing. But my mind kept going back to the thing like, oh, I don't want to do this. And that's kind of what the, like I just said, the characteristics of a fixed mindset is that you give up easily and you don't think that effort is worth it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So even though it was a sport, you know, kind of the first time you were confronted with a sport mm-hmm. that was challenging to you, it kind of revealed the fact that maybe you at that point in your life had a little bit more of a fixed mindset because the challenge was like, nope, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I can't do this. Don't want to. Whereas if you had a growth mindset, then it wouldn't have felt as hard i don't know yeah i i think i wouldn't have i would have been able to actually improve faster i think Mm -hmm. because i wouldn't get frustrated with myself and kind of shut down yeah you would have felt more motivated by the challenge instead of feeling kind of defeated by Mm -hmm. it yeah do you know of anything um that you would say you have a fixed mindset with so yeah i guess (laughs) i guess i should say it's not one or the other Mm -hmm. it's not this person has a growth mindset. This person has a fixed mindset. Situational? Yes. Mm-hmm. Some things you do. Some things you don't. Yeah. I would say math. <laughs> math? I, I, mean, uh, yeah. I think we've talked about me and mm-hmm. math on the podcast before. But honestly, I go back to it. The fact that when I was homeschooled, I just didn't really do 
math. Like I never built those skills from a young age. And then when I did get into like the public school system, I just felt so far behind and kind of like you, how you're saying with basketball, like I felt so frustrated by it and like defeated and it made me feel really, really, I don't like this word, but stupid. Like Mm -hmm. I just felt dumb and made me feel really bad about myself not knowing how to do things that everyone else at that time already considered easy. Right. right? And so it didn't mot- some people, if they had a growth mindset there, might have felt motivated to be like, I'm gonna mm-hmm. conquer this, I'm gonna <laughs> learn so much math. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, like I just felt so defeated by it. And then math became very scary to me. And so it just is like, well, no motivation. I'm like, I'll just use a calculator. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it I had no desire to get better at it. Cause I was like well, clearly, if it's not something that came naturally to me or that I felt confident in, I'm not going to go into a career where math is right. going to be a prominent skill that I need. So mm-hmm. I was like, nah. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's the area where I have a fixed mindset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And then now when you look at math, you probably have a little bit of a stress response to it, right? Absolutely. Someone could ask me, like such a basic math question but it would just like it wouldn't even be that I wouldn't actually be able to know Mm -hmm. the answer if I was just sitting by myself or something but it just brings back those instant memories of when I was younger and feeling stressed out like I know the first year that I went into the public school system they did these things called math minute Mm. and I cannot what is that basically they gave you like a sheet of paper with a bunch of questions And then they would set a timer for a minute and you would answer as many questions as you could in the minute. And then Mm -hmm. after you were done, you would pass your page to the person behind you, get the one from the person in front of you. And then the teacher would call out the grades and you would grade each other's. And I cannot express to you how stressful that was for me going from, you know, being homeschooled, not doing math, literally ever. The only math I ever did was with this like light up machine I had where you'd like Mm -hmm. push the button and it would like light up the different math equations (laughs) (laughs) and then going into the situation where one I was having to do math very very quickly in a high stress situation Mm -hmm. and then having one of my peers grade it like Mm -hmm. geez that is not a healthy way to teach anything to students in Mm -hmm. my perspective so hopefully they don't do that anymore. <laughs> if anyone's in school in those grades, mm-hmm. let us know if math minutes are still a thing because they traumatized me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, that's definitely like a fixed mindset. Nothing wrong with that, but the difference to like explain a little more, if you had a growth mindset about math, the reaction you would have to math is not a stress response. Mm -hmm. It would be more like, okay, I got the time to do this kind of thing and I can improve. And there's definitely, yeah. I'll I'll go into it a little later, how to change that fixed mindset into a um, growth mindset. But I could say definitely it wasn't math, but it was uh, English. Mm -hmm. Like, That was part of the reason why I originally went into, I was debating going into, um, right after high school, going into engineering 
or power engineering. And I went into power engineering because you didn't have to write essays. <laughs> <laughs> and I really sucked mm -hmm. at writing. But now that I'm back in school, I can tell you that when I first started my first essay that I did in my undergrad degree now, it took me a very long time. But I was very determined and knew that I needed this skill to like become successful in this new career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like I got to watch you develop your growth mindset because I met you right before you went back to school for your first year. And I remember before school actually started, you had talked about how, oh my goodness, like I don't want to write essays. I'm so stressed out about writing essays. And you told me that, you know, that was something you really didn't like doing in school before. But when you got into school, it was so clear how motivated you were to build this skill. So instead of like feeling overwhelmed and frustrated by the fact that you had to write papers, you're like, I'm going to write papers for fun. <laughs> and you like just tried to build your skills there really quickly so that it wasn't as daunting to do in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. impressive. There was one time I was so like stressed out about writing a good paper that I was just sitting there sweating. Like I was actually like there was sweat coming down, but I was extremely motivated to finish the essay. <laughs> so um, I'm glad now I wouldn't say I'm even close to where I could be with my writing skills, but I am definitely years ahead of where I was. So, and I'm not so intimidated by writing things. Well, not intimidated for sure. I'd say you're excited at opportunities to write on different topics now. Yeah. Well, even doing stuff for this, I love doing the research for this, uh, these episodes. Yeah, this podcast has been such a great opportunity for you to research and write about mm -hmm. a vast for a variety of topics. <laughs> that would be it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I, I mentioned another part of the growth mindset is finding intrinsic value in things rather than mm -hmm. extrinsic. Mm -hmm. So... Um, the intrinsic value usually comes from virtue, love, or flourishing, um, like use finding a useful skill that you can use elsewhere in your life. Um, for example, the essay that I would just talk talked about, I would just write if I had a fixed mindset and I had an extrinsic value placed on it, I would just be um, writing that essay just to get a good grade, just so I could get somewhere else. Um, like move on in my career and stuff, it wouldn't be at all focused on being a better writer every time I do it. Which really wouldn't be adding that much value then. Like if you were just writing the paper to get the grade in your class, you wouldn't be building the skills that you have been that are going to help you in so many mm -hmm. other avenues in which you're going to need your writing skills. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I think having a growth mindset really um, alleviates depression because when you have extrinsic value on everything that you do in your life, when those things don't work out, it's pretty depressing. So imagine nothing worked out for you in a series of events. It's pretty hard to not be depressed if that's 
where you found, find motivation in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly can have a compounding effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because also that extrinsic value, only thing you're motivated by is to avoid punishment or receive an award. So <laughs> I always think of it, these theories as like imagining the thoughts that are going around in my head. And most of them, I don't understand what's happening until you read about it and apply some introspection Mm -hmm. to yourself. But like, I just, looking back, I can't believe how um, blind I was to what motivated me. And looking back, it kind of, I feel bad for my younger self um, because it definitely caused um, stresses Mm-hmm. and anxieties that I didn't need or could have been avoided. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the more you know. <laughs> now, <laughs> now we're learning all of this, so yeah. it's really helpful moving forward. But I also believe that if you um, experience suffering, it just shows you um, one side of the spectrum of what it can be. So you understand more about it because... You see the bad side first, and then you can also see how you got there and what the good side looks like, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Well, because you can help other people, I guess. You can see see yourself and other people where they're struggling. Yeah. I think that really just comes into the capacity to which you can be you know, self-reflective. Mm-hmm. Because I'm confident that every person has some aspect of their life where they would have a fixed mindset. Mm-hmm, definitely. Right? But you might not recognize it. Mm-hmm. Like, no. For me, I was pretty quickly able to be like, ah, math. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely have a fixed mindset there. But moving beyond math, I'd, I'm sure that if I like thought about mm-hmm. it, I would definitely be able to find other areas. But I think you might, there could be some people where if they have a growth mindset that's really predominant in a lot of areas of their life, it could become overpowering in a way or dominating and they might not be able to acknowledge areas in which they have a fixed mindset. If that makes sense. I'm not sure if what I'm explaining makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of get a delusional in a sense that because you build a blind spot. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. That's a perfect way to put it. <laughs> a fixed blind spot. Yes. <laughs> a fixed blind set. Blind set. Get it. Yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> there we go. And killed it. <laughs> There's a another study by Rama et al. Discovered they discovered that short term memory is better when your focus is on performance, so extrinsic value, and then your long term memory was better for those who completed a task with a focus of mastery. When you do things solely just for the extrinsic value, it doesn't even help you later on Mm -hmm. at all Mm -hmm. because your mind just forgets it. So you're saying if you're doing it with the intention of mastery, it's better? Yes. uh, The short-term memory wasn't as good, but the long-term, so it sticks with you, when you focus on mastery. Wow, there's so many connections. <laughs> Dweck and uh, Albert Bandura must have, would be friends if they met for sure, mm-hmm. because there's also a link to this and self-efficacy as well, that having 
mat they call it mastery experiences mm. is how you is one of the ways in which you learn behavior and so through having mastery experiences it builds your self efficacy and you like learn that behavior mm-hmm. so okay cool yeah the next book i'm going to read is called the laws of mastery i think oh, robert hey. green i'm so excited to read that yeah yeah that guy's real smart <laughs> Actually, it's funny you said that uh, if Bandura and Dweck knew each other, his uh, his daughter actually has uh, published a few papers with Dweck. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I need to read those papers because I bet they would be so insightful. Yeah. I'll see if I can uh, find them. But for at first, I thought it was him. And I was extremely excited. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> um, yeah, I guess this all... This all leads to what another point that I'm trying to make is that it's about the journey, not the destination. <laughs> For um, in another way, I can this makes sense to me is in the like health world and the dieting world. Mm-hmm. So when your focus is on, because um, if people say the diets are unhealthy. But I, I, I disagree with that because if diets focused on the short term, like really quick changes, unhealthy because they're usually just like juice diets and yeah. you don't get the nutrients. But if you have a diet that is focused on seeing changes in the long term, it's and focusing on the long term, they are healthy. Mm-hmm. And even if you on the short term diets, even if you gain or uh, lose the weight, most people that's another thing most people gain the weight back is because they're not focusing on changing their mindset on why they were overweight or why they needed they thought they needed to lose weight right Mm -hmm. yeah i'd say we've definitely been focusing on that a lot because we've been trying to get healthier and so through doing that we've been discussing a lot about like our relationships with food Mm mm-hmm why it is sometimes when like you have those cravings and want to eat like bad like recognizing Mm -hmm. something that's happening in your life that's like causing and like Mm -hmm. triggering that to happen yeah and then trying to work together really you know in a healthy way Mm -hmm. to keep each other accountable but looking at the long-term benefits not just being like ah let's Mm-hmm. we can't eat anything let's lose weight and yeah. stuff but just trying to make those healthy decisions together mm-hmm. well again that's uh people always make that decision uh new year's to yeah. lose weight right <laughs> and then it, with some like after the first month mm-hmm. it's like drops dramatically the people that go to the gym and and like i've done this like, i've unfortunately like yo-yoed with my weight a little bit like i've lost weight and then been good for a while. And then looking back, it's because I was like unable to handle the stress or anxiety. So I mm-hmm. started eating more. But um, when when I do get uh, in the mood to lose some weight again and get fit, it's much easier when you enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. Like, in my opinion, if you didn't enjoy the process of being fit, like going for walks and all that stuff, obviously, besides the fact that when you don't exercise a lot, it's hard to get exercising. You do have to break that like barrier. Mm-hmm, for sure. But the intrinsic value has to come from like wanting to be healthier, wanting to be a better person, um, all that stuff, rather than 
just looking good. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Because <laughs> again, looking good, you're not going to, when you look day to day of what you look like, you can't see the changes. It's after a week's or a month later of consistent um, healthy habits that you see the changes. So that's why you need to have that intrinsic value. Absolutely. And it just acts as different motivators for different people, I suppose, as well. But like for you and I, like it's not like, oh, gotta be smoking hot. Cause like <laughs> no one in our lives is gonna place higher or lower value on us, mm-hmm. whether we are a little bit more like heavier or lighter on the scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's no external value to that for us, but really it's about just being healthier for ourselves, mm-hmm. healthier in a relationship. And like, we have fun doing it together. (laughs) (laughs) Are you laughing at me? (laughs) What were you picking at? (laughs) Picking your shirt? (laughs) I was looking at my, if there's any sweat. (laughs) You're wearing a black shirt. (laughs) Oh, I can see a little. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) anyways long story short the comment that i was making is just that we've talked about like our motivators for doing Mm -hmm. for trying to be healthier and it comes from like a good intrinsic place Mm -hmm. not from looking for any kind of like external validation or something so yeah yeah. that'll hopefully make it longer term (laughs) (laughs) maybe yeah well, and like like we just said, it takes time to get into that growth mindset. We mm-hmm. have been um, slowly getting there and being more comfortable with the process, mm-hmm. but it's it doesn't happen overnight, right? No. So there's, uh, speaking on intrinsic and um, extrinsic values, there's a phenomenon called the over-justification effect. This is when an external reward decreases a person's intrinsic motivation. So to put it into perspective, um, think of an activity that you love doing in your free time, like painting, drawing, playing music, or uh, I don't know, say knitting for you. (laughs) And then according to this effect, say you are starting to sell your product um, for an extrinsic reward money you'll be less motivated to want to do it anymore and it would begin to feel like a chore mm-hmm. and then well it would just take the fun out of it i guess yeah in yeah. a way and i've had that i've had that happen with things it's almost like <laughs> well sometimes it's like you're kept accountable for things sometimes and then they don't seem as fun because you have to do it when you don't want to do it <laughs> <laughs> If that makes sense. Maybe like essays even, like having a timeline to do your essay and then you wait too long to do it and then you don't want to do it in the last few days. That's so true. I just said that to you last week when I was finishing up one of my final term papers Mm -hmm. because, well, I had just been so busy leading up to it and stuff. And then finally, once I actually got to dedicate the Mm -hmm. time to writing it, I was like complaining to Julian. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm having so much fun writing this paper right now but I just don't have enough time left Mm -hmm. like 
I'm having to force myself to work so quickly yeah. when I wish I had more time to mm-hmm. like dive into different areas of it and read more and like just mm-hmm. enjoy the process versus being like, yeah, gotta rush exactly. it out. Yeah, because all you were, well, obviously not all you were focusing on, but your main focus in your mind was getting it done before the timeline. Yeah, So, exactly. and that's completely a fixed mindset there. So. Dang. Make sure you do your papers before the deadline. Before it's too late. <laughs> and I, I guess even after, um, for your knitting example, even after you stop selling something, afterwards you still associate it with this external reward. So it's still not fun. Mm-hmm. So that's why something like playing my guitar it would obviously I'm not good enough to, <laughs> to show anyone really, but like I wouldn't want to like get paid to do it, like have to go to shows and stuff like that. Um, because I don't know, I wouldn't want it to accidentally harm the enjoyment I get from it. Hey, liar, <laughs> <laughs> you told me you want to go busk. <laughs> Yeah, just for the experience of it. <laughs> I don't expect to get money from it. <laughs> I don't think I would. <laughs> yeah, it won't sound good. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen for our podcast. If one day, <laughs> if we ever get a sponsor for our podcast, yeah. hopefully it doesn't take away the fun we have making it. <laughs> because we would love to make money. <laughs> Anyone out there listening, do you know Sponsor. of... Someone who wants to sponsor two lovely people who mm-hmm. like to sit and talk to one another, we will gladly promote your product mm-hmm. if we believe in it. <laughs> yeah, if only if we believe in it. We won't sell ourselves. <laughs> Not that type of person. No. <laughs> um, yeah, and that uh, this over justification effect, it can also explain why a lot of times you're really excited to um, start a job. Then after a while, that like honeymoon phase wears mm-hmm. off and mm-hmm. you just like, you enjoy the field you're in and all that stuff, but you just hate your job and it's just like dreadful to wake up in the morning and go to it. Yeah. Well, that's kind of another reason that we pre-recorded so many episodes of our podcast because we wanted to make sure that we could actually do this and it stayed enjoyable. Mm-hmm. We're like, we don't want to announce and tell people, oh, we're starting a podcast. Mm-hmm. And then we record our first episode and afterwards, after we do all the editing and make the social media stuff, we're like, oh my goodness, I hate this. This is horrible. Yeah, yeah. So that's not the case though. We enjoy it. Yeah, we did the first several podcasts and mm-hmm. holy smokes, does it take a lot of time, but... We definitely have had a lot of fun working on it. Editing the the episodes, it takes me like roughly, I would say around eight hours per episode to edit it all. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I de- no, I, it's not that I don't think, I wouldn't do it for someone else. I don't think, unless it was... So you'd have to get paid so much for you to feel like yes, it was worth it. Yeah, because I, I just wouldn't enjoy it, mm-hmm. really. Uh, but there's a, a purpose for me doing it for this because it's yeah. like my own project and yeah (laughs) yeah and then so the other thought i had we've been talking about me playing guitar doing essays and stuff i think that's why you should have work interests and personal interests Mm. so then for two reasons one 
if, say, your work, uh, your workplace stuff isn't going well there, you still have other things to have a growth mindset with, I guess. Because mm-hmm. it's easy to like, I guess it de- depends on people's temperament, but more people, some people are more pessimistic and it can easily, that fixed mindset can go elsewhere mm-hmm. into your life. So here's my idea that <laughs> I've been, well, I've definitely been doing it the last few years when mm-hmm. I've decided to change my life <laughs> is have as many little things that you love doing every day and you like um, improving on and taking your time and just spending time doing. So then when one of those things doesn't work out, it's easier to bounce back and like look at the overall picture that you still are um, enjoying life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. One of the last things here I want to talk about is sports again. Back to sports. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that competition, um, how does competition affect motivation? Do you think it increases motivation? I think it depends on the mindset you have. Mm-hmm. Like I think if you have a growth mindset and you have high levels of self-efficacy, competition would act as like a motivator and a challenge that you're eager to accomplish Whereas if you had a fixed mindset and what I also would refer to as low levels of Mm self-efficacy, then any any type of competition would be like feel negative. Like you wouldn't want to go against it because it would just feel like Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have any belief in your ability to come out on top. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was actually surprised by the results of this um, research. Mm -hmm. It has no effect, no matter what your mindset. No effect on? Uh, Motivation, Hmm. how motivated you feel. Because to be better at the sport increases, to be better um, as a a player and then the other team is an intrinsic incentive Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But at the same time, um, trying to avoid being worse than the other team decreases intrinsic um, incentive, if that makes it. It's a little tricky to understand, but <laughs> they basically cancel each other out because just doing it to avoid punishment or in this case, like avoid being worse is in- extrinsic. But to be better is one of the characteristics of a growth mindset and intrinsic motivation. Mm. I know it's, yeah, it's confusing, okay. but yeah, <laughs> they contradict. So it's like, it's not saying that competition would negatively impact the motivation of someone who has a fixed mindset? Yeah, just in, in general, it does not matter. Hmm. Okay. Because um, regardless I won't, I guess obviously there might be some exceptions to this, but every single team, the goal is to be better than the other team. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess not you could, really not if you had I a fixed you, mindset yeah. that you already believe you're worse than them. <laughs> right. <laughs> or that you're just doing it, I guess, just to win. Maybe, maybe there's mm-hmm. a hole in their research. I don't know. That's the interesting thing about research and stuff, right? Is that 
there's so many different ways that you can mm-hmm. look at it and the theories that you can apply to things that can just slightly change how yeah, you would yeah. understand the findings mm-hmm. and well it's really complex because you need you would then need that research to find that research and, mm-hmm, you know. totally <laughs> <laughs> so many layers all right um another famous study um revolving around motivation is the hawthorne effect mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> actually when you're doing your uh your final paper there I saw I it on my screen. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, okay. She knows what's up. <laughs> Very relevant. Did you actually look at uh, how it like originated, or did you just know the what it shows? I guess. No, I was just using it mm-hmm. for the purposes of my like fairly superficial mm-hmm. um, element of my paper, right. <laughs> like two yeah. sentences on it. <laughs> so it was actually discovered accidentally. Okay. Yeah, like most research. <laughs> well, sorry, not most research, but like all these like yeah, all these like famous ones that everyone talks about. It mm-hmm. seems like they're all accidental. Um it was a guy, Henry A. Landsberger, was conducting studies to improve the productivity of workers at a telephone parts factory mm-hmm. in Hawthorne, California. In the 1920s. Oh, so it's named after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah. cool. Um, so they were, first, they were testing the effect of shop floor lighting on the production. Interesting. Yeah. I guess someone's got to study it. <laughs> yeah. Well, <they> <laughs> got to know what kind of lights you need to use yeah. in your facility. They're going to see if uh, people um, worked harder and more lighting kind of thing. Um, but they were really perplexed because when they dimmed the lights, Productivity improved. And then when they increased the lights, productivity also improved. Okay, so was it, yeah, just the change <laughs> in environment. Was it? I don't know. Oh. Tell me more. <laughs> so as it clearly, lighting clearly didn't affect productivity, they tried manipulating the work hours and the rest breaks as well. Every time they made a change, Productivity increased. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it turns out that every time they made a change, they would be standing above on the railings watching the workers. This led them to the fact that being observed and that their managers cared about their work affected how they acted. Which is how it was relevant in my paper, because <laughs> for my project, I'm going to be doing a little bit of observation. And so I was just writing about how a concern when using observation as a method is mm-hmm. the Hawthorne effect, that yep. people will behave differently while being observed than if they were just going about their activities without observation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh Yeah. That's uh, pretty much the episode. Wow. Yeah, we made it through another one. Made it to the end of episode eight. Yes. Very nice. Woot woot. <laughs> so if you have any topics that you want us to cover, make sure you let us uh, let us know uh YouTube comment or in the DMs on any of our social medias uh, or send us an email. I don't know if any people do that still. We would be so excited to get an email from someone. That would be very (laughs) awesome. (laughs) 
Yeah, and if you are enjoying the content that we are putting out, then please consider leaving us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. The podcast is available in video format on YouTube, on all podcast platforms, and we are active on our social medias at PWMW Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Mm -hmm. everywhere. Yep, yep. (laughs) We'll be posting every Tuesday, so make sure you hit subscribe, follow, and on the podcast platform, set that auto download so you don't miss an episode. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye.